Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. We're in a series called Heart Matters. The things that we care about most are in our hearts. So in this series, we'll talk about practical ways to guard what's in your heart so you can impact what's in your life. I want to welcome you to the final week of this series we've been in for the last few weeks called Heart Matters, and it's a little play on words because the heart matters and the matters of the heart influence our lives. I want to welcome those watching online, maybe traveling, welcome those at 1230 as well, or those who may watch this service later. Let's put our hands together and celebrate all those that are joining in with us. If you have your Bibles here this last week, maybe one of the most important messages in the entire series Turn with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus in the Old Testament, Exodus 34. We're going to look at a few verses there, verses four through seven. And if you can do two things at once, I'm going to ask you to put a finger on Galatians 3.13, because later in the message, I'm going to give you the solution to all of the things that Exodus 34 brings up, because the Bible is a complete narrative that brings to us the solution in Jesus. I have a friend of mine who has some heart issues and he has such serious heart issues that he has a defibrillator inside of his chest. And the other day he was working out and he had stopped taking some of the medicines that his doctor had prescribed for him and in the middle of his workout, he passed out, his heart stopped working so the defibrillator went off and it was like boom and shocked him back to life. A few hours later, he called me. I said, how you doing? He said, well, I'm a little jittery, but I think I'm alive, you know? And uh, it was interesting. I said, tell me about this. How does this work? He said, well, actually, um, I, I have a remote location that, uh, that monitors all of this. And so it was actually a couple of days later that they called him and said, hey, did something happen with your heart? <laughs> and I said, man, they need to kind of, maybe the timing could be a little bit better. You know, it's like <laughs> maybe the doctor was on vacation or something, man. It's like, don't you have beepers or something, you know? Come on, doc. But anyway, I, I thought, man, what a great example about how the Bible instructs us. This has been our theme verse, to guard your heart for everything. Everybody say everything. Everything you do flows out of your heart. And a lot of times it's hard to look in there. It's hard to really get there. It's kind of a little bit emotionally taxing. We just want to kind of fake it till we make it, put on a good exterior, act like everything's okay, press through in our own strength. But this verse and this time we've had together has been encouraging us to do what sometimes is painful and go, what's going on in there? What's happening in the heart? We're talking about guarding our hearts. And I asked one of the doctors in our church, in fact, this week, because I felt like if I didn't teach you and talk to you about this final subject in this final area, I would leave you as it pertains to your heart at some level inequipped and unequipped. And so I want to talk about how some things are passed down to our hearts. I talked to one of the doctors in our church and I said, tell me about heart problems. And he said that in fact, 85% of what happens in our heart is, is tied to genetics 
There's a genetic, he said it's a genotype and it's, it's unless supernatural intervention happens that it's not modifiable and outside of maybe smoking and some radical lifestyle decisions, 15% of it is our phenotype or this modifiable side of our lifestyle and I begin to think as in this series we're not just talking about this pumping organ which is so critical to our lives but Using the metaphor of the pumping organ, I thought about how the Bible also teaches us that in fact, some of the sin patterns, the lifestyle choices, the different areas that hold us up, the addiction, the anxiety, the anger, the relational dysfunctions, the patterns are genetically transferred. They're, they're in the blood, if you will. They, they come to us generationally. There's a lot of people who have never been taught that. They don't even think about that. Well, 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 you say, where's that in Scripture? Well, we could go to some places, but one of the anchor places to show us that some of what's going in your heart and you're dealing with in your heart has been transferred to you. I think Exodus 34 is a great place to go. God has given Moses the moral law. He's giving him the the pattern, the plan, the Ten Commandments. And look what it says. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose up early in the morning, and he went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord commanded him. And he took in his hand two tablets of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. Wow, I'm amazed by that. It's like, man, God himself stands there. And look what he says in this powerful moment. And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious and slow to anger. Let me pause there for a minute because there's a lot of people who haven't actually read the Bible who don't really understand the full narrative of the Bible, the full picture of God, the real nature of God. They only think that when they read about the God of the Old Testament that he's full of anger and wrath and he kind of wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. No, you don't really know the God that's really described in the Old Testament. Look at this, it says, characteristics a lot of people wouldn't realize. Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This shows us a picture of the fact that God's love is never ending and he's steadfast and faithful so he will not quit until we can experience that love. At this time in human history, we're even pointing to a moment through what I'll tell you about later in this message that he makes it possible for us to experience that love keeping that steadfast love for thousands. If you mark in your Bible, you should underline that. Because where this is also talked about is in Exodus 20, under the second command where it talks about worshiping idols and not making graven images and making him God, then it also explains to us that the blessing of God goes to thousands of generations. That there can be a blessing put in motion that supersedes the other things that can be put in motion. A generational blessing. Never forget that. The generational blessing that is found in God's plan through the person of Jesus Christ is much more powerful than anything you ever inherit that is negative. Look what it says here. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty? 
So in other words, if you think God, oh, he's merciful, he's just gonna give a hall pass and just say, you know what, you can do whatever you want, live however you want, forget all of my moral standards, and I'll just give you some kind of hall pass and we'll just act like it never happened. No, there had to be a just way, a righteous way, a real payment for the penalty of sin. And that's why we're gonna talk about in the person of Jesus how that happened. He says, I'm not just gonna clear the guilty, I'm gonna deal with the guilt. Visiting the iniquity, here it is, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, you could put fathers, mothers in this blood on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So we see this pattern of some of our predispositions, our propensity toward certain things, our inheriting of certain things, the emotional and spiritual heritage of our lives can be passed to us just like the genetic side of our hearts. Now, other people say, well, I don't know if I believe in that. Now, let me be very clear. There's some of you are saying, Pastor, we are responsible for the sins of our fathers. No, the Bible's clear multiple places that we are individually responsible for our own decisions and our own sins and our own offenses toward God, but it's explaining to us so we understand the schemes of the enemy and the pattern. He's, it's explaining to us not that we should take responsibility for their actions, but how we can understand how it maybe came to us. In a simple way, all of it comes through this father that we all have, and his name is Adam. But then as it begins to trickle through, some of you are like, man, this is mysterious. How does that work? Well, once again, we, we, we believe in this. I, I believe there are people who only believe in empirical data and have no spiritual dimension or understanding of God who believe in it. Because if you decide that you need to go have a meeting with your family doctor this week, or let's just propose you don't have a doctor and you decide to see if you can get one because you're having some kind of ailments, so you call a local doctor, then they say, okay, we're accepting new patients, and you begin to decide, okay, I'll do that. The, the receptionist sets you an appointment. You are going to the doctor's office, and the receptionist used to would hand you a clipboard, but now that we are technologically advanced, you might receive a convenient iPad. And then you're gonna go sit in the lobby for the next hour because they're gonna give you an intake sheet and they're gonna ask you about diabetes in your family. They're gonna ask you about every type of medical history, different issues that you have, all kinds of things you've experienced and they're gonna try to get your medical history because they understand the genetic dynamic. If you decide to go to a counselor and you say, look, I'm dealing with some emotional things and I need some help on the emotional and the spiritual side, Hopefully you will go to a biblical counselor who will offer you biblical truth, but if you go to that counselor, they're gonna ask you about your home life. They're gonna ask you about when you grew up and how you grew up and different things you've participated in and what open doors you've allowed and what kind of wounds are in your heart and they're going to get your social and heritage and family history. We all understand things are passed down. When it comes to genetics, we're in a culture that is fascinated by this. We are spitting in test tubes and mailing them off so someone can tell us where we came from. We wanna know ancestry.com, you know? 
We want to know, did you know there, there is a lot of genetic research in the health area? There are surgeries and preventative surgeries happening now because of genetic testing and people having greater propensity. We're all fascinated by this. And we all wish we had some different genes. Come on now. Everybody, let me just say this. If you are genetically skinny, I'm mad at you. If you don't have to work at it like me, may God judge you today. I gained five pounds when I looked at that blue bell on the screen. Come on, somebody. I just looked at it. I mean, it's got a draw for me too, praise God. We started off right, blue bell. Come on, somebody. But you know, you've seen the person, they just eat whatever they want. They just got some good jeans, you know? I, I didn't get the skinny jeans. I can't wear skinny jeans because I don't have the skinny jeans. And at 32, I looked in the mirror and said, I got a genetic problem. <laughs> this happens. I mean, again, everybody wants to be a little different. I wish I had straight hair. I didn't have curly hair. I wish I was this. I wish it was that. We all understand there's a genetic side to it. So as to take it out of the mysterious and really get more practical in our last four, few moments together, you go, can you help me make it more practical as to how these patterns really come to me? How do they come to me? How do they come to me? First of all, they come by what we see. By what we see. You start by what you see. So you're saying, okay, what are we really talking about? Well, we could talk about addiction. We could talk about abuse, abusive environments. We could talk about anxiety. My mom was anxious, so I'm anxious. Depression. We could talk about any sin pattern that comes our way. Let's just take maybe a somewhat safe one. Let's take anger, okay? You say, is that a big deal? The Bible says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And it's a big deal. Where envy and strife exist, there's every evil work. So you go, okay, how did that happen? Well, you grow up in a home environment where you see your mother, your father, whoever was around your life, demonstrate unrighteous, explosive, unpredictable anger. And so, and a lot of times, even subconsciously, you believe there's normalcy to that, so you produce environments filled with that without even knowing in your team relationships and your other relationships because you've seen it. And there's literally data that, that really confirms the scripture that, that neural pathways and even our thinking processes can be imprinted, and not that God can't change that, but that's how it comes to us, we see. Then we see it, then we say it. You say, what do you mean by that? We say it. Well, there's what's called an inner vow that we begin to make where we say, you know what? I'll never be like my angry father. I'll never be like that. Only to find yourself having moments that are destructive in your family and your relationships where you have outbursts of anger because of the environment that you grew up in and you saw it, it imprinted on you, and then you began to say some of the things that you hate, and you become some of the things that you said you would never become and do some of the things that you would never do. Some people, through just sheer personality and willpower, break some things from their family. And there are people who say, I'm never going to, and they may break some of those things just by saying, I'm not going to, but then they find some other things that they begin to 
begin to become like and they don't know how, it's because you begin to say it. And there's some people that are more fighters and there are other people that over-identify themselves with the pain of their past. And what begins to happen is, well, this maybe is just who I am. This is just my lot. I mean, I'm a redhead. I mean, my dad was fiery. I'm fiery. I'm just that. I mean, my family comes from this and that's where I am. And so we overly identify. And let me say to some of you, some of you are still carrying some of the things that are coming up from above you by authority figures who have said to you, you are this. You will never be. You are this. And those words, I meet people all the time as a pastor who have been carrying those defining words for 20 and 30 years. They carry them as a definition because it comes as what we say. And then as what we say then becomes what we surround ourselves with. We surround ourselves with those lies, those negative thoughts. And because we don't attract what we want, we attract what we are. What happens is we begin to have friendships and relationships and, and, and it's like I don't want to be an abuser. I don't want to. Then I marry people who have those issues or I get in relationship with people and we start surrounding ourselves and culture has so much effect on us. We have this environment and it comes to us this way. You know, I remember when my mom started learning some of these things in my own home. Uh, the church I grew up in, we didn't talk about this. We just believe, you know, it was just salvation was getting to heaven. Thank God for getting to heaven. Come on now, the other option's not great. But salvation's way more than just going to heaven. Salvation is spirit, soul, body, mind, a holistic understanding of walking out the full plan that God has for your life and being healed from the hurts of your past and the pains and the problems and, and really understanding you can live this life free from those things. And I'll never forget when my mom was kind of a closet, you know, spirit-filled person studying some of this. And I remember watching even my parents work some of that out and watching my mom begin to teach on some of those things. And, and there were things that my parents they, they fought through in the spirit to work through that helped their ceiling become my floor. I'm so thankful. And I wanna encourage some of you here. Some of you are setting a new path for your family. You're establishing a new generation. You're establishing a new place. And I wanna encourage you, it's painful sometimes. It's challenging to step out, but I want you to, I want you to understand something. It'll be worth every bit of it. Because the multiplication, remember, the multiplication of the blessing is much greater than the pattern or the curse that comes your way. I have an uncle, I called him uncle, he's really a cousin, and uh, he was so much older than me, but um, I had a connection with him, and we would spend some time together in the outdoors, and he had a moment where his sister passed away, and he had this moment with God where he said, if you don't heal her, then I'm gonna turn away from you. And, 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 and he had this moment where he really turned away in rebellion toward God, and it, it, it impacted. Did you know in Exodus 20, as I said, it's under that graven image, the, the, the sins of the fathers. It has something to do with rebellion toward God. And he had a lot of challenges within his family. And I'll never forget one day when he asked me, he said, are my sons cursed? Are they cursed? And so some of you are like, wait a minute, is this voodoo stuff? And I don't know how to quantify all the stuff that started coming down, but I'm gonna tell you, when their father decided to rebel against God, there was an open door to things that began to pass down. There's a lot of pain that came with it. Now you say, is there some good news to any of this? The good news is, 
I, I started giving him CDs and he, he came to Christ. I'll never forget when he wrote me an entire letter of him coming to Christ and understanding the forgiveness. And, and he's now passed away, but in the latter days, the redemption that God began to do, one of his sons came to Christ. He started seeing redemption because it's never too late. It's never too late. Never too late. And again, some of you are like, man, this is not encouraging, Pastor. Like all this stuff passed down. And I know you're sitting there because I see your faces calculating right now going, which ones have passed to me? Okay. What do I have going on? Well, you know what? Until you see the power of the problem, you're not excited about the power that's in the solution. And when you see the stakes are high, you start getting excited about, okay, what is the solution to all this? So let me give you the encouraging part. How do you break these generational patterns? Well, here's the good news. They come to all of us, but the way they're reinforced is in our lives by seeing and saying and surrounding and the same way, same way they became reinforced in our life is the same way we break free from them. So I want us to look at how we can reverse that through the power that's available to us. Number one, see yourself through the cross. Galatians 3.13 is where I told you to turn and it's so powerful. Exodus 20, Exodus 34. Read Deuteronomy 28 where it says you have to observe to do all these commands. See, the weightiness of the generational pattern, the heaviness of the law, the Bible says in the New Testament, it's a tutor, it's a coach to lead us to the power that's in Jesus. And the Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hanged on a tree. So what is this saying to us? When Jesus hung on that cross, he sufficiently and completely canceled, if you're willing to receive it, if you're willing to, if you will, appropriate it and make it real in your life, he makes it possible to cancel every single thing that comes through your generational line. Because of what happened on the cross, there's a worship song. Every time I see that cross, I see freedom. I've, been, I've, I've listened to it recently. Every time I see that cross, I see freedom. Every time I see that grave because he's alive, I see Jesus. I've been meditating on those two lines. So you may see the cross is only a religious symbol or a ticket to heaven. Let me tell you, it's a lot more than that. It's the power to change the generational spiritual lineage of your life. It has the power to break every single chain to give you a different generational heritage. So my prayer is that when you look at your past, you don't see it as a defining place, you don't see it as something that you have to receive, you see it through the lens of the cross of what Jesus has made payment for. And then now, whoa, man, a picture is powerful. So when you see yourself free, when you see yourself as a new creation, when you see yourself as a child of God, when you look back on the pain of your past through the lens of the power of the cross, you're now living a different life. You're living an entire different life that affects generations. Had a moment with my daughter, I had it with my oldest daughter here recently, shared with you, I spent some time with her, I've done this with each of my daughters where I go before they go into high school and I want them to have that picture that anchor, and so we, we spent some time together. We had a facilitator helping us with this exercise. The entire exercise took four minutes, but it was so powerful. We sat on the side of the hill and we did something that statistics say that parents very seldom do in today's culture because we're looking at screens and looking at our next task, and we spend very little time looking in the face of our children. 
My daughter and I, as this facilitator said, were sitting there alone, look at each other in the face for three minutes. When we started, it was a little awkward. I mean, she's my little girl, but it's kind of awkward. But then the more I looked in her face, I remembered when she was born. I started seeing how she's so, she's so growing up. And she's flourishing and my love for her, my, my heart just began to swell and I just began to look at her. And I mean, three minutes is a long time. <laughs> and I just, you're just such a beautiful young woman and you're growing in your love for Jesus. And I saw her like Jesus sees her. And then the next part of the exercise after the three minutes was one minute where we tell one another how much we love each other. And I began to tell her how awesome she is. And we have a little phrase we share, you're an awesome daughter. She just texted me before this service, you're an awesome dad. And I'm reinforcing in her the picture of how God feels about her, how God loves her. And she began to say a bunch of stuff to me and I was a mess <laughs> on the side of a hill. You say, Pastor, my dad never did that for me. Well, when you receive Jesus, you receive a new father. You receive the ability now to look. I'm not talking about a religious relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about a real relationship with the Jesus who created you, who loved you, who went to that bloody cross to give you a new bloodline to give you a new heritage and looks at you with love. And if you'll get that picture in your mind, that picture has power to break you from the pain of your past. It has that ability. Here's the second thing. You pray a prayer or say a prayer. Just because we see it, we say it. We say a prayer of repentance and we break the pattern. We begin to break the pattern. Now, I'm not talking about the fact that we have to revisit everything all the time or I'm not even talking about being resaved. Because we are saved in our spirit, which is dead in trespasses and sins, the Bible says that we come, become alive in Christ. And our spirit is made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, totally cut off from anything that we could ever inherit or have a pattern. But we still have a soul, we have a mind, we have a will, we have emotions. And so if you're seeing patterns in your family or patterns in your life that are destructive, there's a healthy time to do a little heart investigation to go, wait a minute, I have been saved, but I'm being saved. Have I cut myself off from some of those things that could be in operation in my life through the power of the cross? Not in my ability. I'm not talking about just going around digging up bones. I know we don't want to do that anyway. You know, like the old country song, digging up bones, exhuming things that's better left alone. This service doesn't like country music. It's from the Lord. But anyway, <laughs> I'm from East Texas. You know, it's no fun to dig up dead stuff. And because we are a new creation in Christ, I'm not saying that that's our primary MO, but there are times where you have to say something different. I repent, not for the sins. I'm not responsible for the sins of my heritage, but I repent where I have allowed those things to become real in my own life. I turn from that. I cut myself off from that. I renounce that in my life and I start a new heritage for my children and children's children. And then here's the most powerful thing. I receive the full payment of the cross, not just for me to go to heaven, but I receive the full payment of the cross to live the life that God has called me to live, to really walk it out. Here's the final thing. And then you surround yourself with what is true. 
And that's the real power. You start surrounding. What happens is when you start walking out the fullness of what Jesus has purchased, you start surrounding yourself with people and, and different, different than the lies. You start surrounding yourself with the truth of God's word. That's where small groups come in. That's where church comes in. That's where you start getting different voices around your life and you start building a different culture. You start building a different environment that changes generations. As I said, I wanna encourage some of you who have made the decision to build a different culture, to build a different environment. You may not get, be getting reinforcements from the people you love. You definitely don't get reinforcements from our culture. Your culture would say, just, just stay with what you have, just be what you are, just, just, just kinda accept it. No, I wanna encourage some of you. I was with a young man this week. I always kinda test my message. I've been so passionate about this for you this week. I walked around our property one day just praying for our services and I was with a young man. I kind of test my message out and I asked him, I said, what do you think about this? He said, so we started talking about this generational change and blessing and what can happen through the power of Jesus. And he said, pastor, that's me. That's me. I came to Milestone when there were 50 kids in the youth group. I received Christ. I began, I got water baptized. I went to battle of the sexes and I decided to live a different moral life than my father. I haven't spoken to my father. I, I have a relationship that's, that's kind of strained there, but, but I'm, I'm now, I'm, I'm a college student and I'm, I'm living out my life for Jesus and I'm, I'm establishing a different pattern and I was just like, man, and it's gonna be all worth it, man. Just, just keep moving forward in Jesus. Keep, keep making that your picture. And I wanna encourage some of you, you're establishing a new culture and that culture will produce the blessing and favor of God on your life. I want to make it even more real. Galatians 4 says that the Spirit of God, you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that gives us a different picture. It's the Spirit of God that gives us the ability to say different things. It's the Spirit of God that surrounds us and gives us the ability. The Holy Spirit in Galatians, the Bible says, the Spirit has been given to us because we're his sons, the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit that calls out Abba Father. And that's an affectionate term like God is our new dad. We received an inheritance from our father, Adam. We've received different things from the lineage and background we come from, but here's the good news. In Jesus, we get a new lineage. We get a new heritage. And the spirit of God, you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reinforce that in our lives. I wanna make it real. I hear these testimonies all the time about all of you that are taking new steps in Jesus. I wanna show you Stuart and his family because it's a living picture right in the midst of us of exactly what I'm talking about this weekend. Watch it with me. Oh, get them fingers. Get them fingers. Chunky rollers. Wow. You it all. Uh-huh. Oh, what you thinking, huh? What you thinking? Hmm? The life that I had growing up from the outside could look, you know, like everything was great. My parents got divorced when I was super young. My dad was an alcoholic. My mom had verbally and physically and emotionally abusive to my sister and I, was sexually abused by a stepdad of mine. 
I never had the Christmas. I never had holidays. I never had a birthday party. I never had, you know, family dinners at nighttime. I would go to my friend's house and I would see them have that. And that's something that you want so bad. And you don't have that. I believed that I wasn't gonna be good enough. I got married and it was not a good situation for anybody. So that marriage lasted almost a year and a half. I certainly wasn't whole as a person and I tried to fill that void with, you know, everything I could find really. There was lots and lots of drinking, lots of different relationships, anything that I could do really to just make myself feel better and kind of mask who I really was at my core. Just in a quiet moment by myself, you think about where you are today and the fact that, man, I'm going down that same exact road. And people that knew my family would say that same exact thing. Stuart's going down that same path. That's not where I wanted to go, but that's exactly where I was going. Maybe I am gonna have multiple marriages, and maybe that's just what I'm designed to be. And we got married September 3rd of 2017. We had waited 11 years for, and we were finally gonna get to have our start, and I was gonna be able to get my fresh start and leave everything from my past behind me. I didn't grow up in church, but I always felt drawn to it. We lived close by at a milestone and just decided, hey, let's go give it a shot. And so from the very first time that we walked in the doors, there was something special about it. We just jumped right in the growth track, I mean, right off the bat. And I knew that I needed to make a change with my life. I knew that there was no way that I could continue to try to do it on my own. So I ended up going to lunch with a guy from the church and we talked a lot about my past, a lot about my life. And he just straight up asked me, have you ever given your life to Christ? I had not. He just explained everything to me and I decided and I knew right then that this is what I needed to do. And it really in that moment is whenever I decided that this is it and I decided right then and there that I was just gonna give my life to the Lord. That was day one. Just got plugged in and started a 301 group. But on the backside, I was still doing some of the same stuff over the span of my life. Eventually it caught up to me and it blew up. Seeing her hurt the way that she was and everything that she was dealing with was almost the rock bottom for me. Two days later after everything comes up and she calls and says that she was going to the hospital because she was bleeding real bad, she was pregnant. It was pretty obvious that she was having a miscarriage. And I just knew that it was my fault. Everything that I had ever wanted, I was losing. You cannot put into words the amount of guilt and the amount of shame that I felt. You know, it took a huge event in order to, to kind of turn the light on and take my blinders off and realize, buddy, you've got to change. Neither of us wanted to give up. I had to focus on changing my heart he did change my heart, and he healed my wife's heart. 
so that we could move forward and that we could have that life together. We ended up getting baptized and moving forward from it. When our daughter was born, we're in the hospital, and every time I look at her, I would just lose it and just start crying. Just because in that moment, I would think how far gone I was. All of the bad decisions and poor choices that I made, I still get to have this. That's love, and that's forgiveness, and that's, that's what God does for people. To raise my kids to where they're not gonna have all of the hindrances that I had. They're gonna be in a house where they know God. It's like night and day difference. We were able to move forward and we're able to do so because of God. He loved us and he provided the healing power for us and to our hearts. Awesome story. I want to say thank you to I want to say thank you to Stuart for his transparency and honesty. I'm going to ask if you would to stand on your feet with me. And I, I know in our small time together that only by the Spirit of God for some of you would it break through all the busyness and the things we have going in our lives for you, for some of you to have a real moment with God. But that's been my prayer this week. For some of you, there's things that have kind of come into your heart and life that God wants to break away so that you can really live out the blessing that he has desired for you and it would be generational. So I'm gonna put a prayer on the screen. I'm gonna ask all of us to pray it and I'm just praying that it becomes real to us. And so I'm gonna say a phrase and then I'm gonna ask you to repeat it after me all together. I choose to accept. Let's try that again. Come on now. I choose to accept the forgiveness of Jesus from all generational patterns of sin in my life and any lies of the enemy. I have believed. I am no longer defined by my past, but by the blood of Jesus. I am a new creation, I am a child of God, and I receive all you have for me. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I choose to walk in your freedom today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for the provision that you've made for us. That no matter what has come through our heritage, we've been given a new bloodline, a new freedom. Jesus, what you purchased for us on the cross, it's available for all of us today. For those even maybe who are saying, I wish I would have heard this 20 years ago and they're dealing with the condemnation of some of that, I thank you, Lord, it's never too late to start applying 
the power of your cross in our lives, your resurrection power in our lives. I pray over singles and young adults that are setting a new pattern. They feel sometimes like they're pioneering it, but you're the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus. You are pioneering a new path and a new family and a new generational blessing through them for young families in our church that feel as if they're charting a new course. Jesus, you're charting the course. We trust you with this new direction, with this newfound freedom that's available to us. Let this moment, Holy Spirit, be more than just words. Let it be a defining point for the lives of generations. Some of you here, you want that, but really when I talk about Jesus, you're like, I'm not really surrendered to Jesus. And the power of it's not available until you surrender yourself to him. And I'm not talking about going to church or checking Christianity as a religion, but you're like, I'm not really right with him. And maybe a decision for you is just to say a simple prayer, Jesus, here's my life. Not just my family. You need my life before you need the life of my family. You want me. Here's my life. I believe you died for me. Just say it to him, your words. I believe you rose from the dead. Become my Jesus. Save me today. We can't change ourselves. But the power of the gospel is that Jesus, you change us from the inside out. And we thank you for the promise in your word that you made provision for the guilt and the payment of sin. And your love and your blessing goes to thousands of generations in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.